Hello, peoples of the interweb and other intergalactic arenas and dimensions. Once again, I am Ken. And once again, still, I'm Jim. And this is still, even though it's been a while, this is still off. Let me say. Okay. Off the record. A vinyl podcast. Uh, You're much quicker with that than (laughs) I am, Ken. Uh, So it's been a while. It has. You know, I was just thinking, an awful lot has happened between the last podcast and, and this one. Indeed. <laughs> That's an understanding. Indeed, indeed. That's uh <laughs> Sorry folks, that probably no one else is really in on this <laughs> in on this joke. That's true. That's true. So, uh but again, before we get started, um I'd like to remind everyone of our primary sponsor and that is Reverend Guitars. Absolutely. Absolutely. Again, they are uniquely unaware that they are a sponsor, but they are they are nonetheless a prime sponsor of this podcast. You know, as unaware <clears throat> that they are that they are our sponsor, they're equally unaware that we're their endorsees. That is that is very true. Yes. They they are very very much unaware that we uh, endorse their products. <laughs> Or that we own our their products, or that we play the guitar, yeah, yeah. that we, we have a podcast, right? You that know. we exist in any way, shape, or form. So you know the 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 the, the ignorance is all around. <laughs> it goes both ways. What's your favorite letter in the word reverend? The favorite letter in the word reverend? Yeah. <sighs> Probably be the V. Mm. Yeah. 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 I'm not sure what that has to do with it, but it doesn't it has <laughs> nothing to do with anything, but we'll go with the V. But again, Ken Haas, everyone there at Reverend, you make a fantastic product. Any guitar player out there, if you haven't, you owe it to yourself to at least try a Reverend. You owe it to yourself and to others to go find a Reverend and play it. Yes. And then if you buy it, you owe it to us for turning you on to that product. Yes. Right. Exactly. And don't forget to tell them that. So, um, when last we uh, podcasted, uh, we did a year. We decided to kind of go off just picking one album and go with a year, a year of music. True. Which was a, it was your brainchild and I think a fantastic one. Hey, kudos to me. Kudos to Jim. So uh, we're going to continue in that vein since Jim picked the year last, uh, picked the year last time we podcasted. That was 1979. Good memory. Good vintage. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so now it is up to me to pick a year. And um, I'd like to say a lot of thought went into this. That's not true. It didn't? No. It really kind of came down to uh, what vinyl I owned more than one of, of a particular year. Wow. <laughs> yes. By a process of elimination, you struck upon this year. Pretty much. Pretty much. So um, I think it's um, it'll be an interesting mix. I think. Okay. Well, I'm just I'm not going to read anything yet, but I'm just kind of flipping through the list of releases again on Wikipedia. Yes. Uh, for 1984, and I just want to see. Uh, there's there's some good ones that year. Well, 
albums that I own, for example. I have that one. I think I might have that one. Uh, I think I have that one. Um, I may have that one. Mm, I know I have that one. I know you have this one. All right. There's some potential here. I'm excited, Ken. And once again, uh, in the interest of full disclosure, we're, we're spinning actual vinyl. Actual vinyl. And every pop, crackle, and hiss is genuine. Any snaps? Snap. Okay. And uh, as well as, uh, as we did in the last podcast, Ken's choices of albums are going to be a surprise to me. So color me surprised. Ken. Okay. All right. So, cool. But if we could, I would like to kind of, yeah, absolutely. in a very similar vein, I would like to kind of go over some of the albums. As we're going through the podcast, go over some of the albums. and you betcha. Chronological order here. Anything jump out at you, catch your eye? Well, yeah, the second one. Yeah? Yes. Is that one of your choices? That is one of my choices, yes. Oh, okay. But the one before is, uh, you know, as we kind of talked about last time, 79 on that cusp of getting, you know, into the 80s music. Into, into the into the synthesized music and also into some of the metal. So the first one is Judas Priest, Defenders of the Faith. That's the first one that was released on uh, January 4th, I guess that, yeah, January 4th of 1984. Followed very closely on the 9th by 1984 by Van Halen, which is one of the albums in my collection. All right. So coming back again to Van Halen. Yes, that's, uh, I guess, probably the third time they've been a, a topic. Hey, you know? As Ken rifles through his collection. Small collection. Now, it's interesting. I was just going to say, I own all of the uh, David Lee Roth albums except this one. Really? Yeah, Yeah. this is is the one I don't have. This is actually the second time I've owned it. (laughs) (laughs) Do you you own any uh, Hagar-era albums on vinyl? I used to. Yeah? Yeah. You had 5150. 50 and OU812 were on vinyl. Okay. Um, you know, I really was thinking about going for the obvious Panama, because I think I was just talking about it to you about, I really love that breakdown in Panama. Before you say anything, uh, I know which of these, okay, there's five songs on side one. Mm-hmm. Okay. I know which two of them I would choose if I was going to choose. So let's see what you're going for. I'm sorry to have interrupted you. Go ahead. I'm going to go with. Um, I'm going to go with number four. Top Jimmy. That's where I was going. Kind of skipping over the three first tracks, which are you know very well known. Tra- well, 1984 is uh, kind of an instrumental thing, right? Yeah. Um, Jump Panama. I guess those two plus Hot for Teacher, they're, they're the, the best-known songs off this, right? So, yeah. All right, so we're going to drop the needle on track four, maybe. We're the end of track three. Close enough. It's all good. It's very analog. It's not a perfect science.
almost like almost like whale song. Little known fact, it is whale song. Folks, you can't see this. <laughs> it's such a little known fact, it's not true. <laughs> <laughs> think groove and swing i think of a track like this from these guys yeah you know there and and dave singing is a a story from a a possible possible future podcast guest that uh who um one time met robert plant by accident yeah referred to david lee roth as being Cabaretish. <laughs> he's he's good, but he's really fucking cabaret. <laughs> I think he meant it as a compliment. I'd like to think he meant it as a compliment. Rhythm backing this solo is yes. so different from the rest of the song. It is. It's the, the, the chords that they're playing. But yet it, it fits beautifully. Occupies so much space with his guitar. Yeah, doing so much. Are we letting it play? We'd let it play for a little bit. I'm not saying we have to play the whole next song, but I think the riff in this song is just so good that it needs to be played at least a little bit. My money. This is the grooviest thing Van Halen ever did. It's got a great group to it. I don't mean to offend the uh, the fairer sex among our listeners, but this song is like walking down the street with your balls swinging really low. <laughs>
probably yeah. probably take it up again. Uh, it's a good. It's such a good song. Let's just listen to it. If you want to edit it out. Oh man, it's so good. I just because we we got the so podcast much. has been a little Van Halen heavy. I, I you know I don't want to. Anything from side two? I think I mean. Okay, you're good. Yeah, you're good. Where's this lead to this? I'll I'll put it back for you. Oh, sorry, my bad. Oh boy. So where were we? So uh, wow, there's a lot of a lot of big things that came out that year. Uh, bon Jovi with Bon Jovi, their debut album, also in January. Ooh. Now, is is that the album with the uh, Runaway on it? Hold on, let me uh, let me click a little link here. Get down to the track. Yes, Runaway is on its first song on that. You know who played guitar on Runaway? I'm gonna say not Richie that's, Sambora. That's correct. Not Richie Sambora. Tim Pierce. Really? Yes. The venerable Tim Pierce. Exactly. I want to say that the band was kind of in the stage of doing demos at that point, and maybe they weren't a fully formed band. And uh, you know, I think at that time, Tim Pierce was already a guy in L.A., maybe had already recorded some stuff uh, with Rick Springfield. So I don't know if he was a guitarist for hire at that point, or if he was, you know, had aspirations to be in the band and it didn't work out that way. But, yeah. Of course, I could be wrong. Could be. Again, this podcast is light on facts. <laughs> uh, let's see what else we have here. Anthrax, Fistful, Fistful of Metal. Steve Vai's Flexible. Hey, I used to have that, probably still do, on cassette tape. And even though we're not even out of January, <laughs> bringing you up to my next... Jeez. I know. January. I know. We're not even going to get through the whole year before I, we use up all my albums. <laughs> be ready for, just be ready for that, folks. All right. We're in January. In January. I'll preface this? Preface by saying that not only do I find that this is a fantastic album and a fantastic band, but it's also it's also got that nostalgia factor in it for me as well. Okay. So be the pretenders learning to crawl hey there you go and for that i would just i would just you know even though it's they're the most well-known songs i would just uh just play the first two just play it man time the avenger that sounds familiar We okay. can delve into a little bit more, but these first two songs just—they just—I never get tired of listening to them. Really? Ooh. A crackle right there. Nice crackle. It is. Carson. Yeah. 
I thought it was plans, but plants like ficuses. <laughs> yeah, you gotta maybe you check the lighter notes. I don't even think I. Oh yeah. Uh, it doesn't have the lyrics. Of course not. Are her parents behind her? Plans. I'll go with it. Am I not enunciating? So this is 1984. This is 1984. And this is a guitar and drums outfit. Yeah. Alongside of all those other synth-heavy albums. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it kind of falls... Uh, kind of falls outside, I guess, the norm of the day. Yeah. like about the first half of the 80s is a lot of guys and girls were playing Stratocasters. Right. But they were just making them sound so good. Yeah. And it wasn't like the, you know, you think of Strat, you think of Stevie Ray Vaughan. Right. Uh, but these guys weren't using it in that way. No, no. A lot of it was melodic. Yeah. drums they do have that 80s production on the drums which was probably in vogue at that time the riff to me in this is it's I might be wrong but the riff in this seems so complex like to be playing that over and over again live. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I, I just, I. It's I, probably like some open strings and some pull offs, and maybe it's maybe yeah easier yeah. than it sounds. Good track.
this band went through lineup changes, but I have to admit, I don't recognize any of the other names besides Chrissy Hine. Right. I found a picture of you. Yeah, there were a lot of members to them. Uh, two of them passed away. Well, that's a pretty valid reason for leaving the band. I guess so. I guess they get a pass. I think it trumps creative differences. Certainly more final. to listen a little bit to the uh, B-side song My City Was Gone. A little interesting history on it. That one caught my eye too. I, I, For example, I know what it's used for today. That's the interesting history. Okay. I love this bridge breakdown everyone got because it went like from that very bluesy slide and then these very minor chords very Beatlesque right there with yeah. those guitars And in fact, their first single was actually a cover of a Kink song. Stop your sobbing. But their yeah, their first album was released in the UK initially. Flip this over. Let's listen, listen to their song there. Uh, my city was gone. City was gone. 
So I'll be honest with you. I'm 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 I was very surprised to learn this <laughs> because it is not something. Talk about John Cash. Yeah, as you say, this has got a very Folsom County blues sound to it. So for those of you who don't know, and I'm sure there's many because I'm sure many people like me haven't watched this show. This is apparently used for the uh, the intro song to the Rush Limbaugh show. You don't have to watch it. You can listen to it. I oh, he's not on TV anymore, is he? Maybe. He, I don't know. But I he's know on the radio. On the radio. Well, that gives a show how, how much I pay attention to Rush Limbaugh. Does it uh, give any explanation as to how this song came to be? His theme it, music? it does not. Oh. At least not what I've read. I'm sure there's something out there on it. Good effect on the snare drum. Say one thing that we've had in common between last episode and this episode is bands with good bass players. Yeah, for sure. Or at least guys that could get good tone. Yeah. Is Rush from Ohio? Maybe is that maybe that's the connection? Could be something you could look up. It could be. Looks like he's from Missouri and now lives in Palm Beach, Florida. So, not sure what the uh, sure what the connection is. Apparently, there was a brief cease and desist order against him using this. They eventually reached an agreement. Ah, money talks, bullshit walks. That's right. As said by Sir Ian. What was his name? Spinal Tap? Sir Ian... Their manager. Dennis Eaton Hawk. No, no. No, no, that was... That, well, that was the record That executive. was the record um, Who was there? Oh, my God. <laughs> I can't remember. It'll come to us. Yeah, it'll come to us. At 3 a.m. Maybe even sooner than you think.
vibe kind of of a really good bar band straight ahead yeah working man's kind of bluesy pub rock yeah union brew swilling union brew like it should have been their music in those miller ads in the 80s instead of should have been instead of uh, eric clapton yes because those, because those Eric Clapton songs were sellout songs. After midnight. Yeah. Yeah. His his redoing of his own song after midnight, not even the original version. I think the lyrics he changed them to, after midnight, I'm gonna sell out all night long. lift needle up right. and we're gonna pay some bills i love paying bills i know you do particularly when it's not with our own money yeah when it comes as easily as this yes so let's go make a couple adjustments here folks when ken says adjustments he's uh he's reconnecting wires he's not adjusting his trousers he is 100 percent right so we here at uh, Off the Record of Vinyl Podcast, we, uh, we pride ourselves in staying current with our technology, which is why we are proud to introduce this next sponsor. As soon as I can find it. Take your time. like the most popular home video game system ever. Oh, the system you want is the Atari 2600. That's so fast. I want a system that can play hundreds of games. Oh, then what you want is the Atari 2600. But I'd like the system that can also play educational games for my children. Then what you want is the Atari 2600. Oh, the Atari 2600 is priced incredibly low. That's what I want. The Atari 2600. Now with its new exciting games at a new low price. And that price was probably like $300. $300. Very reasonable. Very reasonable, folks. Listen, um, I can't think of any kid today that doesn't want a brand new Atari 2600. Well, I can't think of any kid that shouldn't want a brand new Atari 600. So uh, thank you, Atari, for... Uh, for uh, Helping us keep the lights on here. Yes. 
Did you ever see an Atari 5200, I believe it was? Yes, I believe that was. Yes. Was that the one? One of them had a trackball built into the, the console. That might have been it. It's a silvery color. Did you know anyone who had ColecoVision? Yeah, I think so, but I don't remember who it was. Yeah, my cousins had it. Yeah, And they had the, uh, the computer to go along with it, the Atom computer. That's right. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. So continuing on in 1984, what else came out that year? Uh, the Smiths with their self-titled album. What was it called? The Smiths. Yeah, but who was the band? The Smiths. What was the album called? Uh, the Smiths. Oh, it was <laughs> self-titled then, huh? <laughs> yeah. Glad you're glad you're paying attention there. <laughs> uh, Thomas Dolby, The Flat Earth. I have that. Ooh, here's one. Here's one. Here's one. Ingve Malmsteen, Rising Force. Wow. Wow. Was that the uh, There's a Hole in the Sky, but don't, don't ask, ask me, me why? Because I don't know. <laughs> that was 84, huh? Yeah. I had that on cassette tape. Joe Jackson, Body and Soul. Never heard of it. Okay. Never heard of him. I'm sure you haven't. <laughs> Black Flag, some Rat. <laughs> REM's Reckoning. Okay. That's probably still pretty early in their career, yeah. huh? 84. Yep. Bananarama. Oh. And check this out. Yeah. Well, al- album from a. Uh, from a Hard-working, not too well-known British metal band, Spinal Tap. Oh, hard-working, definitely. I mean, they they certainly paid their dues. And I so happen to have that on vinyl. Look at that. Where'd you get that, Ken? I I got this from a pretty good friend. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Do tell. I think he knows who he, who he is. Okay. You know, I, I don't know who you're talking about, but I seem to recall that your friend actually bought that in a record store when it was... When they had record stores? Yes, when it was for sale as new. Yes. Wasn't in the bargain bin, wasn't used, it was still current. I will let you pick, because any one of the songs off this album is, oh, a, is a masterpiece. I agree. Let's see. It actually says released on Polymer Records. Oh, man. Well. Ah. He's, he's, folks, you can't see the, the giddiness on his face. It's like, it's like a kid opening up a Christmas present on Christmas morning. Yeah, it's even better. It's like a kid opening all of his Christmas presents on Christmas Eve. <laughs> Viv Savage. That is Viv, the one and only, one and only Viv Savage.
I mean, what can be said about this band that has not been said already? Agreed. That they're good? <laughs> I'm listening to this and trying to think. Does it sound similar to any other bands or music? Yeah, I know what you're saying. You know, like, oh, this sounds like... Mm-hmm. And it's, nothing's really coming to me. No. I think that's part of their genius. Did they pull off the rare feat of not being a real band and writing incredibly original music? I think they might have. Flashing back into my pan. Mm-hmm. kind of sounds like Warren D. Martini with a broken arm. <laughs> that that so you're saying it sounds better than Warren D. Martini. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. No love for Rat over Sorry there. Warren. <laughs> tell you, if there is one guitar player who has mastered the hammer-on, it is Nigel Tufnell. Oh, for certain. I can't hear these songs without thinking of the visuals. I know. This is where uh, he's... Well, Nigel is off stage. Because he's not in the band at this point. Right. He's starting to groove and. What's the character, uh, the lead singer? David St. Hopkins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He at one point looks over and. Emotions to him. With his head. That's right. Yeah. Uh, that's just part of the genius of Biff Savage. Absolutely. <laughs> it's a lot of mileage out of that, huh? Oh, man. 
Never been a fan of these kind of keyboard solos. Thankfully, that, that was, was a short. That was short. And that was merciful short. <laughs> Why does David St. Huffman sound out of breath? <laughs> I mean, he wasn't really that old back then. <laughs> Ended on a banshee scream. Big finish. Very big finish for the second song of the album. <laughs> oh my god. Talk about blowing your mind. <laughs> Whoa. Some powerful drumming. A lot of treble in that guitar tone right there. Yeah. I'd actually like to skip over a couple tracks. Oh, no. You, you, you take it where you want to go. Like I said, they're all gems. Oh, they are. I actually want to take it to this one. <laughs> Not this song. Another big finish. Go big or go home. <laughs> cups and cakes, cups and cakes. Oh, what good things mother makes. You've got to take tea, won't you take it with me? What a gay time it will be Cups and cakes, cups and cakes Please make sure that nothing breaks The china's so dear and the treacle's so clear And I'm glad that you are here Milk and sugar, bread and jam Yes, please, sir I think if you worked at a greeting card company, <laughs> this is the kind of music they would play all day long on the intercom. <laughs> Just to put you in that mood. Cups and cakes, cups and cakes. I'm so full, my tummy aches. How sad it must end, but I'm glad I'd a friend sharing cups and cakes with me and cakes with me. An homage to their 60s roots. And like any good album, there's a second side to it. <laughs> Whoa, the needle fell off the record there. I'm sorry. That's okay.
What an advanced synthesizer sound. It's very squishy. It's moist. 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 You know, I, they not were only amazing songwriters, but their knack for coming up with just the right album title was second to none. Just to give you a few examples in case, I'm sure you haven't forgotten, but for those of who may or more likely not may not be listening, Brain Hammer. Oh. That is so simple and yet elegant. Yes. The philosophical... <laughs> the sun never sweats. Oh, man. Yes. I mean, it makes you think. It does. Makes you think. It does, How actually. something could be so hot, yet sweat. never spill a bead of sweat. Shark sandwich. I read the review on that one. Did you now? Yeah. Surprisingly positive. Really? Yeah. What was it? That's like a 500 word review. Very praiseworthy. Yes. Then I read this other review of it. <laughs> really? What is it? It's just a two word review. Yeah? Yeah. Shit sandwich. <laughs> and the punalicious. Intravenous de Milo. Oh, man. Let me see that, that picture. Oh, that's awesome. Intravenous de Milo. This is a synthesizer fest right here. I think this is... Um, I do recall reading that they spent a week with Gary Newman. It's not much that... No, they don't really know what happened that week. Just that the week transpired. And maybe some and of I think, these sounds I think this came shortly after. Okay. Kind of a tie back to our previous podcast. Yes. Gary Newman. Yes. Yet the lyrics, much more reminiscent of, the, of something maybe the Knack would write. So we're identifying some of the various influences on the band. Yes, or thievery on their part. guitar tone sounds a lot like what you and I might have come up with in the early days. The early days like, of Lovers Oh yeah. The infant days. Leave 
leaving my spray, sniffing at your feed bag. I'm gonna mow you down. You see my silo rising high. may hold the Guinness record for most consecutive double entendre. <laughs> Christopher Guest playing guitar. I'm, I'm under the impression that they all played the instruments. Okay. Yeah. Surprisingly good. Yeah, yeah. Mickey Dolan's on drums. <laughs> Side two is stronger than side one. <laughs> Just looking at the tracks. Again, the big finish. Oh, I mean, all their songs are big. <laughs> I think Slash copped a couple riffs from here. I mean, how can, when all your songs are this strong, how can you not put a big finish to them all? They're all epic. You're right. <laughs> Except this one. This one is beyond epic. If there's a word that it's uber epic. It's galactic. Let me see. Does it actually give credit to an actual producer? What they were doing. Faith was their manager. This track is from the album The Sun Never Sweats. It is 1975.
won't she take my hand? We'll go back in time to that mystic land. When the dewdrops cry and the cats meow, <laughs> I will take you there. I will show you. Production is credited to guests McKeon and Shearer. Self-produced. <laughs> the lyrics are very existential. Yes, deep. Very, very deep. Which is why it was on the album The Sun Never Sweats. I mean, it was obviously a very philosophical album for them. I agree. I think we just got to let the, these last two tracks play. Stax Records, Booker T, and the MGs going on here. Treating you cool. I'm putting 
they really do cover many different styles quite well. The they do. They do. I mean, this is, listen, it was released in 84. This is admittedly a more of a greatest hits album for them. True. Touche. Listen to what the flower people say. But they did have quite an evolution. Very much, very much mirrors of their time. Well said. I, uh, I stole it. <laughs> it's like a bolt out of the blue. Listen, it could be calling after you. I've never played an actual sitar. Neither have I. Could be a mission. I was wondering what they were tuned to. What their tuning was on a standard. Yeah. choice to end the album on this track. I think that's their little homage to the Beatles there in their Ravi Shankar days. Ravi Shankar days, yes. So obviously, I well maybe not obviously, but I only have one more album left. So I'm just going to go through some the rest of the albums of the year. Not try to sound too much like a uh, a monotonous list, but we're listening. You have our attention. Um, yes, and I lost my spot. <laughs> uh, perhaps my favorite Metallica Lightning, Ride the Lightning, came out that year. Dave Mustaine, I think, credited on that album, although not playing on it. He was in the back of a bus going across the country at that point. (laughs) Here's a name you don't hear anymore. Menudo came out that year with Evolution. A name you don't hear anymore, mercifully. (laughs) Frank Sinatra was still releasing albums back then. L.A. is my lady. Yeah, sure she is. Iron Maiden, Power Slave. What else we got here? 
U2, The Unforgettable Fire. Ooh. Devo. Which Devo album? Shout. That was Shout in case that wasn't loud enough. Should we should I mention Meatloaf? Is that maybe worth is he worth mentioning? Well you you already did. (laughs) (laughs) Good point. Touche. Gary Newman, Berserker. Hey. He's come up already. He has. Robert Plant, The Honey Drippers, Volume 1. Probably the most famous album to come out that year, arguably. As soon as I can find it again. Not Thriller. No, but uh, did not see it on the list. Oh, where did it go? Where did it go? Oh, our fellow New Jerseyan, Bruce Springsteen. Ooh, born in the USA. Born in the USA. Wow. Which, even though I'm from New Jersey, I care less about Bruce Springsteen, but I mean, it was, it was a big album. You got to mention it. I'll tell you, his first few albums, I mean, some of them, I mean, Born to Run, love that album. But certainly by the time he got into the 80s, he's no longer a fan. Yeah, He's another guy with a long career that, that I really only like kind of a small fraction of his career. He's a guy with a long career that I don't really understand. <laughs> it's a Jersey thing, man. I guess. Yeah, I guess. Jersey rules. But the last album that that, that I have from it, which I, I think is a, a phenomenal album, not just because I think the person was a great uh, songwriter, but I think he is a very underrated guitar player. Maybe not to, to fellow guitar players, not. But I think to the everyday person, I don't think they realize what a phenomenal guitar player he was. And that album would be Prince's Purple Rain. Oh, wow. Look at that. That's a that's a good gem to have on vinyl right there. And I think you really only need to listen to the... I think the first song kind of epitomizes his guitar playing. I mean, we can certainly listen to song one, side one. All right. All righty. We are uh, back from our little break here. say i believe uh no less than joe satriani was quoted as saying that prince was one of his favorite guitar players uh, in part because he always had a different hairstyle is this side one Oh, no, it's that too. Well, we'll listen to both. We'll listen. Sorry. That's okay. You can listen to a little bit of this. 
probably never listened to any of his music in headphones. There's some subtle things going on in there I've never heard before. Sorry, I wasn't expected to talk about this song. <laughs> no, no, that's fine. We've yeah. listened to a little bit of it. Yeah. I mean, my bad. I, I put on the wrong side of the that's album. That's okay. That's, but that's the beauty about, well, sort of live podcasting. <laughs> yeah, and you know, it, it's the kind of thing that happens with vinyl. Too. Yes. I mean, it's dark. You know, you're naked, you're drunk, you put on the wrong side of the album. Maybe you care, maybe you don't. It's the beauty of vinyl. So just for clarification, we are we are both naked and we are both drunk. <laughs> Sitting in the middle of a train station. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to get through this thing called life. Electric word, life, it means forever, and that's a mighty long time. But I'm here to tell you, there's something else. The afterworld. World of never ending happiness. You can always see the sun, day or night. So when you call up that shrink in Beverly Hills, you know the one. Doctor, everything will be alright. Doctor, everything will be alright. As danceable as the beat is, this guitar, I love this guitar in the song. It's almost a shame that the guitar isn't more front and center. Yeah, yeah. There needs to be a guitarist's remix Ooh. of this music. That'd be good. Another one of those uh, kind of deceptive albums. I wouldn't have thought that this was as early as 84. You thought later? Yeah, I would have. Somebody guessed 86. Mm. Just because there's so much going on. And the production is so advanced.
He sounds like a player who's very much in control of this. Very in control. I mean, that's very precise playing. But, but precise without losing feel. A little bit, yeah. yeah. Ending in the vein of Spinal Tap. <laughs> Ending big. Go big or go home. Thank you, Cleveland. He brought this out on track one. Yeah. What else you got? That's, that's all I got. So, um, so yeah, like like I said, I mean, I, I don't think a lot of people appreciate his guitar playing in addition to his uh, songwriting. There's a there's a video out on YouTube. I I can't remember. It's it's like Prince and a bunch of other like pro like typical like people you think of when you think of guitar players. Yeah. And I, I think they were playing. I can't remember. They were playing a tribute to somebody, and. He like smoked <laughs> like most of the guitar players up there on that stage. And it was just like, yeah, you see, he, he was, he had a fearless persona when he was on stage. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So, um, yeah, so that's my, uh, that's my four for 1984. Ooh, I like what you did there. You like that? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I wrote that down a week ago. Been waiting to use it. Couldn't wait. <laughs> it shows. It shows. It does. <laughs> So, folks, um, I think we're gonna uh, we're gonna we're gonna sign off on this one. Another one in the books or in the computer, technically, I guess. So, uh, next time. Next time it'll be uh, the two of us. The two of us, maybe a guest, maybe not. Maybe real vinyl, maybe not. I, I like trying to stick with the real vinyl. It actually, not that I need a lot of pushing, but it, it pushed me to buy. <laughs> So, folks, uh, if there are indeed any folks out there actually listening to this podcast, it's not just me and Jim talking to each other and to a computer. Uh, hope you enjoyed it. And thank, thanks to both of you. Thanks. 